0: We've sort of lost track as a society in some ways of of what that kind of service relationship means because we've all grown very content and interested in, you know, speed, convenience, immediate gratification. That's all well and good when you're healthy and things are going great in your life.
1: But then something like COVID-19 strikes
0: what do I do? Who do I talk to? What part of the system can I get advice from? Who's going to tell me what to do? Should I stay home? Should I isolate? Should I go to the hospital? You've seen a crisis like this. We have a system that's built around taking care of sick people. Well, now we're going to see that system put to the test, and we're going to see that system in all its dysfunctional glory. And 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 it's not the way to run a healthcare system.
1: From News Northeastern, this is Litmus, a conversation with Northeastern University's groundbreaking researchers. We connect what's going on in their labs to what's going on in your life. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Ernston.
0: I'm Timothy Hoff. I'm a uh, professor of health management and health policy. At the Demore McKim School of Business and the School of Public Policy and Urban Affairs at Northeastern University, years ago there was a robust, thriving, solo and you know small group primary care office-based care environment in all big cities. Some older family doctors still have solo practices down in Manhattan and in Brooklyn. These are doctors who have had solo practices for 20, 30, and 40 years in the city. And those are shrinking rapidly and disappearing rapidly. Nobody is replacing those doctors who retire.
1: Why has this happened?
0: Becoming a family doctor pays a lot less than becoming a dermatologist. The hours are a lot worse. (laughs) The administrative workloads for family doctors and primary care doctors are much worse than than if you go into other specialties. The ones who are going into primary care and choosing to become doctors, they would rather become employees of bigger systems, right? That can take that work on for them.
1: So just to lay it all out there, Primary care describes going to see your designated doctor when you just have a general problem, but primary care is also for scheduled checkups. And in that way, it's proactive because the doctor knows you, sees you on a schedule, and can tell if something's out of the ordinary. Well, okay. Primary care is at least supposed to be preventive. It would serve that role if it were working the way it should. But what have we got
0: instead? It's really more of a fast food model, right? It's 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 like a drive-through, you know, window that you're going to go up to. What can I get you today?
1: So, people have stopped going to primary care physicians for checkups. And some don't even have primary care physicians. And instead they just go to a drop-in clinic or the ER when they're feeling sick. But are these substitutes the right places to handle all the people who could contract COVID-19? No. And that problem starts the moment you even worry that something's wrong.
0: If we had a more robust physician-centric primary care system, I think more of us would at least, you know, try as we started not feeling well to say, hey, I'm calling my doctor.
1: I wonder if people going to see a primary care physician at a hospital um is you know just another complication at this point in Boston for example people might go and get their physicals like at Boston Medical Center
0: Yeah it's a very it's a very good point I mean you bring up a couple of things that are really important We do have a lot of primary care now that's that's Centered in hospital settings or larger healthcare settings; those are places one you don't want to be if you're healthy, but two, those are also places that really are not going to be able to handle populations that might think they have symptoms of the illness but aren't really sure. You would probably feel more confident just going right away to that that go to doctor and that go to office to try and get some answers. Now, that doesn't mean that 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 part of the system wouldn't get overrun. As well, ultimately, if everybody was calling their their go-to doctor at the same time.
1: And for that reason, the kinds of pop-up testing for COVID-19 that hospitals are doing in parking lots or parking garages are a good idea, right?
0: Some of that is really necessary because of the communicable nature of the disease. It
1: is really important safety-wise to set up testing clinics in areas that are separate from other people who are not infected or potentially infected.
0: Like they're doing in South Korea. You know, show up to this parking lot and get in line and we'll test you. And then we'll send you a text the next day. But what happens with all the people who are going to be diagnosed positive? What do I do? What What part of the system can I get advice from? Who's going to tell me what to do. They just want to know what they should do.
1: And then you realize if you do get a positive diagnosis, that the only point of contact that you had in that process is, you know, like the masked hospital worker in the parking lot. You don't know them. We are at a crossroads, and I'm, I'm wondering what you think realistically will happen, you know? Is it possible that people will, will look at the, the sort of impromptu makeshift solutions that have arisen in the past few weeks that do seem to be at least a little better than, you know, crowding a bunch of people into an emergency room and think that that is the way forward? You know, it's, it's maybe a band-aid, but it's providing some function. Or do you think that people are going to maybe want to reset?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's too late to turn the clock back. We just don't have the infrastructure or the physicians anymore in the numbers we need. We can want to go back all we want, but it's not going to happen. I do think there's a role for technology and for more of this sort of, you know, drive through like healthcare approach. There's a complementary role those things can play. You know, again, that's that's. Some of that is really necessary because of the communicable nature of the disease.
1: It's just so ironic to me that these models are almost just like caricatures of the already like value-based, super efficient systems that we have that sort of like created a problem. (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's a lot of irony here, right? On the next few months, um, as the illness spreads, I think we're going to see even more how the drive-through approach, the more impersonal approach, the more tech-driven approach, while it's helpful for the diagnostic part um, and the isolation, the initial isolation part, it's not enough for all that's going to come after it. All right. So what happens when someone gets diagnosed and has to self-quarantine for 14 days and is scared? And at that point, you know, that's when that's really when we're going to need the primary care system that isn't of the drive through variety, but really the primary care system that has more of the relational component.
1: What do you think you would do? Who would you who would you call is do you have someone like in your network that feels like a, a point of contact that you trust?
0: If I feel like I have symptoms of this illness at some point, honestly, I'm not sure who to call. I'm not sure to contact. I have a primary care doctor, but they're they're working in this large hospital system. My wife has a chronic illness, and and you know my wife has many doctors she goes to, and she, but she goes to them for the technical help. She, you know she doesn't really have strong relationships with any of them. I, I mean, quite frankly, I I think I would probably just sort of have to deal with it myself.
1: What is going to happen? Will there be a threshold that we reach globally where people will maybe not demand but really yearn for a more relational structure? You said it's it's too late to turn back the clock, but what about a couple of years from now?
0: I think that's a that's a really important question and I think there'll be a lot of things that come out of this once it's over that we can learn from. And I am hoping that after this is all over, that we look back and we say, whoa, like this is why we actually need a really strong primary care system. This is why we need physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants to lead it. It probably now would be contributing in a positive way to limiting the spread of this illness.
1: Special thanks to Timothy Hoff, Professor of Management, Healthcare Systems, and Health Policy in the Damore McKim School of Business and the School of Public Policy and Urban Affairs at Northeastern University. Sound Engineering by Anthony Polito and me, Aria Bracci. Mixing and Mastering by Anthony Polito. Our editor is David Filipov. From News at Northeastern, this is Litmus. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Arnson. Catch you next time.